Romans chapter 5. We'll read the first 11 verses, but we'll center our thoughts on the first five verses this morning. Romans chapter 5, I commence reading from the English Standard Version. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us up to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we are still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, no, for one who scarcely died for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we are enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. Whenever I'm preaching, we've been going through a series I've been calling, Can God Really? And we had put dots or a dash to fill in uh, different questions uh, as we were thinking and looking at that question. And, and this was birthed in the reality that there is a common element that unites all peoples of the world. And that common element that unites all of us is that we all have needs. There will be times in every one of our lives when we'll experience a need of some type. Perhaps it will be material needs. And that's why we seem to be to focus most of our attention in this life. But certainly there will be times when there will be emotional needs. There will be times when those needs will be of a physical nature. And other times there will be needs of a spiritual nature. And, and whatever it is that we might be going through, one of the questions that lingers in our minds is that can God really come through for me? Sometimes the question will be, can God really provide for me? Or can God sustain me? He's provided for me, but is God able to sustain me? There will be other times when 
we'll ask ourselves the question, can God really cause all things to work for good of those that love him? There'll be other times when we'll ask that question, maybe in relation to our loved ones. Can God really save our loved ones? And as well, if you've been praying for your loved one or praying for your children, and you see that God is not coming through, and he's saving others, and, and you cry out to God, you ask yourself the question, can God really save those who, whom I love? And as we were looking at different passages, asking that question, the conclusion was that God can do as he has promised. And he calls us to wait on him and trust him with different situations or circumstances we find ourselves in. And this morning as we conclude this short series that we've been going through, we draw our attention to Romans chapter 5. Although in Romans chapter 5 there is no question of can God really do this based on the passage, but what we want to do this morning is that as we wrestle with these questions in, in different situations, whatever needs arise, we, if we are Christians, we must remind ourselves of the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. We must constantly ponder and wonder on our salvation. And it is this knowledge, this reality, this truth of what God says concerning our salvation that will help us that whenever we are faced with any kind of question or situation and we are struggling whether God is there for us, that when we center our thoughts on our salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus, we will say with confidence, not because we find a solution to our need, but that he who has given us this salvation in his son, is able to do it for us. And that will be our surety, our anchor, our hope, and our encouragement. Romans chapter 5 helps us to see what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And we see that the gospel of our Lord, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ not only promises forgiveness of our sins, but it also promises certainty of a relationship with God that will last throughout eternity. And that's what we find in the gospel of Christ. Perhaps most of us have bought something convinced of its great value only to discover with time that perhaps whatever that item was was overrated or what you thought the value was was not what 
it is or what it's worth. It's not what you expected. And sometimes it's easy for us to have this mindset when it comes to our salvation. There's only one exception. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What the scriptures promise, it's what we see, what we get, what we experience, what we have. And this relationship not only brings about forgiveness, but it is a relationship that lasts not just for this lifespan on earth, but for eternity. And once we enter into this relationship with God through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we are amazed that what we discover as we grow in grace we see more than we anticipated. And all these are flowing from our justification by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul labors to do just that in the book of Romans. In chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks about his relationship to the gospel. He explains that he was not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Then in chapter 2, he talks about this righteousness of God that is evidenced in the gospel. And he shows that God's righteousness is revealed in his righteous judgment to sin. In chapter 3, the apostle Paul views justification from God's point of view. And he focuses on the public demonstration of his righteousness. Then in chapter 4, he views justification from man's perspective, focusing on the faith by which God's righteousness is imputed to us. And then in chapter 5, he views our justification from an even wider perspective. And chapter 5 is divided into two parts. Verse 1 through to verse 11, the Apostle Paul shows that justification as the basis and the beginning of all God's blessings to the believer. And then in chapter 12 through to chapter, rather, verse 12 through to verse 21, he views justification as the means of reversing the case of sin and death brought about by Adam that has been overturned by the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you understand this or have some understanding of this, it is this that gives great comfort, great joy to God's children that even as they go through life with different questions lingering in their minds, they stand amazed at this incredible salvation and what comes out of this salvation. And therefore, when they ask those questions, can God really, really come through for me? The answer is anchored in what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That even when we do not have what we ask for, we know 
that our God is always with us and by our side. So let's open up those five verses and draw lessons for us this morning as we consider the wonder of our salvation. And the first wonder of our salvation we see is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. As a result of our justification by, by faith, the Bible records for us that we have peace with God. And peace with God is very different from the peace of God. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse, verse 7 writes, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now the Apostle Paul in Philippians, remember he is writing from prison. And he knows that it's just a matter of time. He's, he will be executed. His time has come. But even in that midst, even in that environment, he still experienced the peace of God. And the peace of God is this inner calmness, this inner tra tranquility which God gives to his children. That even when there is external chaos, the fact that you have this God who's in control of all things, a God who knows all things, a God who's sovereign in all things, there is this peace that he gives to those who are ease. And Paul says something of that in Philippians chapter 4. And he says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. But here now in Romans chapter 5, he's talking about peace with God. He's not talking about peace, the peace of God, this inner calmness. He's talking about peace with God. Now that's different. And here his focus is that it is this peace which marks the end of our hostility towards God and also God's hostility towards us. And that's why he said we have peace with God. Our sin brings about divine resentment from God. It brings about divine wrath. The Lord Jesus Christ endured the wrath of God towards the sinner. And thus on the cross, he satisfied and appeased his father's wrath. And now those who are in Christ have peace with God because God 
has washed away their sin, has removed their sin, which is a barrier between the Father and His creation. And now Christ comes in and satisfies the Father's demands and He dies in our place so that those who come to Him by faith have peace with God. There's no longer hostility between us and God. There is peace because of the righteousness of Christ. And since God's hostility towards the believer has been appeased by his beloved son, God graciously deals with those who have been justified by Christ. From man's point of view, the hostility is over. And from God's point of view, he's been reconciled to us. And the Apostle Paul shows us that peace is the prerequisite which is followed by many other blessings. All the other benefits of salvation mentioned in this passage, it's because there is peace between God and man. Man is no longer afraid of God. Rather, should I say, the believer is no longer afraid of God. When you go back to Genesis, when God created this world, and put man in the garden. And there was this fellowship between man and God. But when man sinned, we are told when God came walking in the cool of evening, and he's calling out, Adam, where are you? Man was hiding because now there was this hostility between God and man. And that's what Christ comes to do. He came and satisfied the demands of the Father. And because of us, we have peace with God. And it is this peace that must cause all of us, when we are battling with the questions of whether God is really hearing us, whether God can really protect us, whether God can really provide for us, we must first of all remind ourselves that because we have peace with God, there's no hostility with God, we can trust this God. We can. Because we are no longer under divine resentment from him we have peace with our God isn't this a wonder that God and man at table are sat down as the hymn says and all this is because of Christ but secondly we see that not only do we have peace with God while we live on earth, we are standing in the grace of God. Standing in the grace of God. The, verse 2. Through him 
we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Our justification in Christ opens the door to God's dealing with man on the basis of grace and not on the basis of works. Justification is anchored upon the sacrificial death of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God can therefore graciously deal with the believer in spite of their sins because they are covered in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's dealing with the believers is by grace. And this justification, this sanctification, this God's dealing with the believers cannot fail because it is dependent and not upon the performance of the individual, but upon his grace towards them. And therefore, they are not trying to merit God's salvation. Rather, they are responding to the death of Christ, believing in him, and everything they do, it's because of the grace of God that has been given to them. And the Apostle Paul tells us, by faith into this grace in which We stand. Say, we are standing or living in this grace. Justification has accomplished it. And it's just the beginning. We've entered into a relationship that is supported by the grace of God. And we are introduced into this by his grace. And therefore God deals with the believers in in a different manner. He looks upon his, his children with grace and in a gracious manner. God doesn't look upon them with with a frown. But he looks upon them favorably. Sinners who are outside Christ, those still wallowing in their sin, living in rebellion against God, God doesn't look upon them with favor. He doesn't look upon them favorably. He looks upon them with a frown. Because there's still hostility between the two camps. But this is not so with those who've who've come to him in faith and have put their trust in Christ. They stand in the grace of God. And this is the most marvelous thing that we hear in this life. Our relationship to God is different. It has been entirely changed. We stand in his grace. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his commentary in Romans chapter 5 had this illustration and I quote, 
when he's talking about the Christian standing in the grace of God. He says, it is like the case of a man who has spent his whole life out on the street outside a great palace. Inside the palace, there are endless riches and wealth, and a great banquet is being given. He sees people enjoying themselves, but is shivering, starving out on the streets, and he cannot partake. He has no right of entry. He is not fit to enter. Suddenly, in a miraculous and marvelous way, he is approached and invited to enter and provided with a festal garment. He is brought in and introduced and he takes his place and begins to partake of the feast of the riches of the palace. End of court or the illustration. And this is what has happened to Christians. We are no longer out there. We've been brought into the family of God. We are standing in the grace of God and we can partake of, of, of the great banquet that God provides for us in Christ Jesus because he has removed his wrath and he gives us peace with God. We are no longer out in the streets, admiring from afar. We are now part of this great kingdom of God. We are partaking, we are partakers, we are heirs, we are, and we are shining his grace in our lives. And as we relate with him, we relate with him on the merits of his grace because of Christ Jesus. And therefore, any situation that presents itself to us, we can count on our God who relates with us with his grace that he's there for us. He can do beyond our wildest imaginations because what he promises he will do because of his son. And therefore, here on earth, we stand in his grace. We relate with him by his grace. And we call on him because of his grace. And we can trust him that he who's brought peace between him and us and is making us stand in his grace, we can access his throne and call upon his name. And this is the wonder of our salvation. That we who once upon a time had no peace, we now have peace. We are not a people, but we are now a people because of his amazing grace. And the third thing we see there as a wonder of our salvation is this jubilant hope of a glorious end. This jubilant hope of a glorious end. 
The last part of verse 2, but I begin reading from the beginning of verse 2. Through him we also, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The Bible there is telling us that we have this glorious end. Justification by faith is a glorious beginning. But this same justification by faith is also the basis for our confidence in a glorious conclusion. That as we look at what life he only throws at us the trials, the challenges. As we hear of, 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 of believers in, in, in Jordan, the country of Jordan, being persecuted, being abandoned by their own families. The Bible tells us that we have this confident assurance and joyful triumph in the hope of the glory of God. There is a glorious end. And this glorious end is for the good of those who have peace with God. The scriptures reminds the believer of the eternal hope available in Christ. The world will continue to bring difficulty and disappointments. But if you fix your eyes on the circumstances of life, it's easy to become discouraged. But here we're being reminded of this glorious hope. And this glorious hope is ours in Christ. This is the conclusions of the matter. Therefore we have this jubilant hope in the glorious ending. Because we've been told what the end is like. We are on the Lord's side. The winning team. And we have reason to rejoice. We have every reason to rejoice. That while we wrestle with the difficulties and the challenges of life, some of them we cannot even comprehend or understand. That the moment you try to enjoy a bit of peace, something else comes in. You can be reminded of the scenario and the challenges of old faithful Job. Who, in one moment, this one brings this news, this one brings this news, and it's very difficult to even comprehend and be up to date with what is happening. 
And that's how life is on earth. But the scriptures remind us of this glorious end that we have. And therefore, as we live with that in mind, we can rejoice and save our God faithfully and show the world that the reason we rejoice is because of this glorious end. The glory of our God. We cannot comprehend what all will be like. We can use our imaginations. But there's this glorious end to be with God for eternity. No sorrow, no trials, no sin. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I do not know what the future holds. But regardless of what we, I face or what we face, if we are in Christ, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And this hope is not a leap in the dark. It's anchored in the one in the works of our God in Christ. It's anchored in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day when this life gives way. Believers will have the time of their lives when the time of their life on earth is over. In this we rejoice. The world has nothing to offer in comparison with the abundance that we have in Christ. The glory of God is the promised blessing of enjoying eternity in the presence and the glory of God in his kingdom. Being with God in the splendor of his glory and Paul says to us this is what is true of us. And we can rejoice even in the midst of what we are going through because of the glorious end of our, the, the, because of this jubilant hope of a glorious end. And then fourthly and lastly, we see the, the, the fourth wonder of our salvation is this jubilant hope in present trials. Yes, there's this jubilant hope of a glorious end, but there's also this jubilant hope in the present trials. And this is what we see from verse 3 all the way to verse 5, that driving all the way to verse 11. Verse 3, not only that, but to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that 
Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. A jubilant hope in present trials. While we traverse through this world, we have hope. A jubilant hope. And the Bible is telling us there, because of our salvation in Christ, the Christian has a glorious beginning that's peace with God and also entrance into the realm of God's grace, then assuring the Christian of the glorious ending, the glory of God. But we also see that it gives us confident hope in the present. And so from the beginning to the end, hope characterizes the Christian life. We have peace with God. We are standing in the grace of God. We have a jubilant hope of our glorious ending. We will be with God. And as we think and live in that reality and experience, as we live today, we have a jubilant hope in our present sufferings. And the Bible is telling us that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Then endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Many believers in Paul's day faced a lot of persecution because of their faith, which is the case with many believers today in this world. In some past parts, they are actually killed because of their faith. In other parts, they are denied certain privileges because of their faith. And it is easy to focus on those difficulties and the pain while missing the blessings of God. And here we are reminded that we need to maintain that proper perspective Troubles and trials will remain, will come, but they don't have to define our existence as Christians. Trouble and anxieties may affect your physical and emotional state, but they don't have to change our spiritual standing in Christ. Even in the face of adversity, we can rejoice in our blessed hope. And as Apostle Paul speaks of the present circumstances of the Christian life, he's not looking at it from the way most religious conmen of our days would like to present this issue of peace and prosperity, health and wealth. That's not what the Apostle Paul is thinking about. The Apostle Paul is looking at the sufferings of the Christian life 
And as he looks at those sufferings, he sees that we rejoice not because we have good health, not because we have wealth, not because we have peace or prosperity. We rejoice because of our standing in Christ and that standing with Christ gives us hope that in while we suffer, while we go through trials, there is something we have that the world cannot take away from us. We have hope and this hope is guaranteed to us because Christ has accomplished it for us and the Holy Spirit every day reminds us of this hope and he whispers in our ears, we belong to God. And Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. You don't need to convince anyone to rejoice in times of peace and prosperity. They will rejoice. But in times of suffering, you need to remind yourself about rejoicing in what we have in Christ. We live in a world that there are multitude of things that can make us lose our hope. whether it be disasters, calamities, viruses, it can easily feel like there is no hope and things are not getting any better. When you look at life on earth, every day there is something that disturbs our peace and our hope. But God's children can rejoice in the midst of suffering as they think of their end and their salvation that is in Christ. And our hope is not in the next politicians because we've been disappointed before. Our hope is not in the next technological advancement because those just holds us captive. Our hope is not in the next job, next relationship. Our hope is not even the next boyfriend or girlfriend, our hope is in the living God. And this God who sustains all things by the power of his, his word, this God who sent his son that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more now that we are his, no longer in hostility with him, living in his grace, and will be with him in heaven. He is with us even as we suffer, as we go through trials. He's by our side. He's holding us. He's lifting us. He's taking us through the storm. And he's saying, trust me, count on me, lean on me, 
I will be with you to the very end. And as he provides and sustains us in whatever situation, we see that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. We can trust him. And as we go through trials, the, the, the Bible is not saying that by rejoicing in suffering, we therefore gain self-confidence by persevering in trials. He's, the Bible is saying we gain confidence in God as we stand amazed at his waking in us, even in the midst of suffering. And this is the wonder of our salvation. This is this incredible benefit that is ours in salvation. And as you go through whatever situation and that, way, that question keeps on lingering in your mind, can God really do this for me? Can God sustain me? Can God provide for me? Can God turn everything to work for my good and for his glory? Can God hear my prayers? Can God use me for his glory? Remember the wonder of your salvation and anchor your thoughts in that and pray that you may experience him daily and grow in that knowledge and save him boldly because your God can do as he's promised for his glory and for our God. And when God withholds certain things from you, it's because he knows they are not for your good or for his glory. When God takes you through a difficult patch in life, he is molding you to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you wrestle in prayer, praying for your loved ones for their salvation, praying for a job, whatever it is that you are praying, and you are really asking the question, remember you serve a God who is alive, a God who's given you this, um, this amazing salvation. And is this God who's saying, anchor your thoughts in what I've done and grow in that knowledge so that as you live in this world, the world can see you radiating his amazing grace. And as I look at your life, rejoicing in your suffering, you can point the world that it's not because of anything in me, it's because of Christ and his amazing grace in my life. And therefore, I will rejoice, I will serve him because my God cannot make a mistake. And as I traverse through this life with all my challenges, my hope, my anchor, my everything is in Christ. And I pray that this is your salvation this morning. 
That this is something you've come to experience. This is something you are enjoying. That there's no hostility between you and God. You are standing in grace. And as you stand in grace, you look forward to that time when you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And when he even says those words, you know it's not because of you, but it's because of Christ. And if this is not true of you, you know nothing of this wonder of our salvation. Oh, dear friends, I ask you that you might come to him today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and God will give you peace. You will have peace with God. His divine resentment will be moved away from you. And you too, can know that what we are talking about is a living reality and not wishful thinking. And oh, I plead with you that as we sing in closing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that you too may sing with meaning, with confidence, because we'd have experienced the forgiveness of God. That as we sing with, with the hymn writer, through many dangers, toys and snares, I have already come through. It is grace that has brought me this far, and grace will lead me home. Oh, that you too may come to know this grace today. Turn away from sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you too will join us when we stand and be amazed at the wonder of our salvation. Amen.